Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Gracious God, shower your love and grace upon our hearts so that we may find our security and assurance in you so that we may follow the example of your saint, Martin. Grow in us a spirit of sacrifice. Grow in us a spirit of generosity. Grow in us such dependence on you that we may live with less, so the least of these may live with more. In the name of your Christ, who leads us, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning and happy St. Martin's Day. And uh, just a quick commendation on how nicely spaced you are. Well done on your spacing and your mask wearing. These are um, contemporary signs of love. These are how we take good care of each other. So thank you. When, 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 when will the light break upon us like dawn? When will the light break upon us like dawn? When will the light rise in the darkness? When will the light rise in the darkness? When will our vindicator, our vindicator go before us? When the oppressed are set free. When the naked are clothed, the hungry are fed, the homeless are housed. When the stranger is welcomed, when the sick is cured. When the prisoner is visited, then will our light break through like the dawn. Then will our light rise in the darkness. You can see why the early church saw the meaning of Jesus Christ in this passage from Isaiah. Why they identified him with the vindicator, the one who would bring forth the character of a new day, the character of a new life, the character of a new kingdom, with the commitments to serve justice, to set the oppressed free, to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, house the homeless, pity the afflicted. You can see how this Isaiah scripture formed how the early church understood Christ. And you can see how Jesus Christ saw his truth in this passage. After all, in Luke, when he introduces himself in Nazareth, he uses a very similar Isaiah passage to state his mission and identity. He is here so that the oppressed will go free. So, sometimes, Episcopalians make a big deal of the mystery of God's will. God is so mysterious. Well, sometimes God's really clear. And if we can't accept God's clarity, we, we might want to wonder why we're avoiding it. What in us avoids this crystal clear clarity 
of what God's will looks like. Freedom for the oppressed, etc. It's the same clarity that comes up again in Matthew in chapter 25, which is a reinforcement of the Beatitudes. The same passage from Isaiah is the background of the Beatitudes and the background of Matthew 25. It's almost the same list of commitments in both. It's the same calling to be present with Christ in both. Because if you remember the Beatitudes, and I always recommend some time reading the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes call us as disciples, as followers of Jesus, to find ourselves in the company of the poor, to find ourselves in the company of the oppressed, find ourselves in the company of the rejected and those who mourn. Because that's where we will find Jesus present. That's how we are close to Christ. We follow Christ to where Christ is. And Christ is in that action of love setting free those who are afflicted. And there you find disciples. This is not incredibly novel news. These are the characteristic works of the Torah and the prophets. The audience of Jesus would have known these things. They would have known that if you follow the God of Israel, you find God at work in justice. So this scene at the end of Matthew 25 is reinforcing of the acts of compassion, the corporal works of mercy. And it's not as shocking to Jesus's audience as it is to us. Here in our modern church, we get really nervous around judgment. How dare God be judgmental? We lecture God. When I'm hoping that this is accountability, that wonderful accountability that I've experienced so often that has grown me in grace and love and brought me farther in my discipleship journey. This passage is not a surprise. It's a continuity of what Jesus has been teaching and who Jesus is. For those people who have departed on the path of discipleship, they have drawn near to the poor. They have embraced the stranger, the refugee, the immigrant. They have visited the prisoner, often a compatriot in faith imprisoned. They have clothed the naked, fed the hungry, worked with the oppressed for their freedom. And so they have been close to Christ. And so in this moment that looks like a dividing out, is really just a continuity. You have been in the presence of Christ. You will continue to be in the presence of Christ. If you have chosen to ignore clear instruction and keep Christ at arm's length and the places where Christ is at work at arm's length 
Well, that will continue as well in the form of distance. As we know with Christ, it's never too late. It is never too late for a 70th chance with Christ. We are always welcome to find Christ where Christ is at work and God's will is apparent. And so we remember and celebrate and have gratitude because God has been clear, has pointed us to where God is at work among the poor, among the oppressed, among the afflicted, among the sick, among the naked and ashamed and vulnerable, among the refugee and the immigrant and the stranger. And we can ask ourselves, am I where Christ is at work? Is my church, is my community of disciples where Christ is at work? And believe me, we try. If you ask why we do what we do at St. Martin's, we do it because we're trying to be faithful disciples and find ourselves in the company that Christ keeps. Find ourselves in the places where Christ is active, where Christ is setting free and healing and giving hope and lifting up and breaking the yoke and serving justice. There we find ourselves with Christ and we give thanks. I think these passages are speaking loudly in my ear today in part because as a people, as an America, a nation, we have not been attentive to the most vulnerable. We know the standard that God gives. It's very clear. A nation will be judged by the way it treats the most vulnerable in its midst. We all know that. And yet we struggle to do it and make it a priority and make it central. And that is not a partisan statement. That is a universal statement. We have let horrible economic dislocation and insecurity invade a large portion of our population because of globalization, the, tech, the rise of technology in the economy, the rise of finance in the economy has created a situation with a very small prosperous class and a very economically insecure middle and lower. And I believe we are experiencing the turmoil and the trouble that comes from this social dislocation and anxiety. And we have all let it happen. We have all let it happen. It's been a bipartisan consensus to let this happen. So we stand before God and are asked, have you attended to the vulnerable? Have you given your attention and resources and best thought and best will to those being left behind? And we must stand before that troubling judgment, that troubling accountability. Knowing that we know better. But more importantly, knowing that we have a vindicator. 
That vindicator in Isaiah, the early church knew who that was. They knew it was Jesus. The vindicator, the one who in his resurrection, the light that shines in the darkness, the light that breaks forth like the dawn, in his resurrection, vindicates the way of God as the way of life. Vindicates the way of God as the way that is stronger than any force that opposes God. And that sets us free to be people of courage, people of sacrifice, people of hope and faith who move where Christ is and join Christ in his work. Now, a simple exercise for homework. And if you're at home, you can do it on your kitchen table where you are worshiping at this very moment. Draw yourself a pie chart, a circle. A circle representing your whole life and all of your resources, your talents, your treasure, your time, your attention. And do a little self-reflection and self-study. How much time do, how much time and resource do I give to the most vulnerable? How much time and resource do I give to my own agenda and needs? How much time do I spend on my own advancement, my own security, and that of my family? Just take a gentle spirit, an appreciative spirit, and chart it out. How much time and resource do I devote to breaking the yoke, to doing justice, clothing the naked? Do the list. And sit with that and ask yourself what you are called, how you are called, to grow in discipleship in this moment of accountability in our life before God. Now, it can be an unhealthy chart if it's all you. It can be an unhealthy chart if you don't appear at all. There's some wonderful mix in the middle of attention to self and family and stranger and other that is the place of grace that Christ leads us to. So let us celebrate St. Martin with a pie chart. Amen.